the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 245 for February 6th, 2011. Smartphone adoption reaches one-third in the U.S., Verizon launching simultaneous voice and data, and Verizon iPhone pre-orders end as quickly as they began. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppas. Brought to you each week with the help of listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. The show is also supported by The Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and the iOS for $1.99. Well, first this week, I have a new phone. I bought a Palm Pre on Sprint. I got it on eBay, 70 bucks, touchstone included. And I want to talk a little bit about it because I made the decision just uh, purely off of the I don't want to have two Blackberries going at the same time. And I just kind of got sick of it. I love the Blackberry platform. I love what OS 6 has brought to it. And so I had a lot of fun using it on my Bold 9650. But it was time to find another phone and bring something else in. So now I'm running a uh, we'll just say a regime of devices here, Verizon uh, running BlackBerry and uh, iOS on uh, AT&T and now WebOS on Sprint. And so I'm kind of trying to diversify a little bit there. I'm still looking for an Android device. Uh, specifically, I'm hoping to find uh, an Optimus on Sprint. That's really what I think would be good because it's one of the lower end phones, but it's running Froyo and uh, it's got a decent uh, set of specifications on it. Anyway, going back to the pre. So, so far it, it's been uh, it's been pretty good. I've been happy with the transition. One of the things that I was looking forward to was the mobile hotspot feature on it, which is something that you can uh, easily port over from the, the Verizon version. And so I was uh, able to do that, which will be nice to have uh, when I'm on the go. Um, it, replacing the email and texting and uh, full QWERTY keyboard has been a little bit difficult uh, from coming from the bold. Uh, you know, it's definitely not the same. It does have the full QWERTY that you slide out, but uh, you know, it's I'm not finding myself typing on it nearly as much as I was before on the BlackBerry. Well, you've gone from the the you know undoubtedly uh, the best you know QWERTY smartphone keyboard that's out there and anywhere to one of the more uh, cramped ones and kind of strange design. I like how the rubbery keys are because that helps you grip the buttons and press Mm -hmm. down on them. It's very similar to my Centro. Uh, You will get more used to it and you will improve on your speed, but it does take some getting used to, that's for sure. I found that it, overall it's been okay. There's certain angles that are better than others, and you know if you've got a little bit of a ridge of a fingernail, then it's definitely easier. So I'm gonna have to keep that in mind as I, uh, you know, as I, as I think about uh, how I'm using the device. But uh, overall, um, it's it is okay. You're right, and I am getting used to it as I go. And uh, you know, you're right about the fingernail. I remember that with my Centro when I had when I did have a little bit of a fingernail, it actually improved drastically. Uh, it's exactly opposite of my style. If I have any sort of fingernail it slows me down by half. Like it gets to the point where I can't even type. Like I just mash keys all over the place with the style. So um, keeping my fingernails really short uh, makes a big, big improvement. It's really bizarre. Hmm. Uh, Obviously the OS, uh, you know, a nice, nice OS. I I just, WebOS is one of those where it's really unfortunate that the hardware that, 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 you know, Palm came out with and, and now HP is where it's at because they have they've done a such a great job with the the operating system on it and you just you just want to play with it and use it and the card system and notifications and everything is 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 one of the best that's out there. I just absolutely love it. Well, it really is uh, critically acclaimed, and users really are dedicated to it. If you go to the, the pre-central forums, for example, I mean, the, the users are just rabid, and uh, rightfully so. I mean, it really is. It's, it's, it's been kind of eclipsed by the, the, the Apple product and even the Android product, but it's, uh, it, it definitely stands its ground, and, and a lot of the competition has really taken a lot of elements from the WebOS and uh, utilized it. Uh, I know the new playbook uses basically the same sort of navigation and card system and multitasking that the WebOS does. You know, I will, uh, I will, this is not my first foray with this. So I would, I kind of have a, an interesting comparison of, of, of WebOS here from using it on the Pixie uh, in late uh, 2009, I guess it was, uh, early 2010. And um, now using it, um, I, I feel like 
when I first used it, it was a little bit more complex than what I was used to coming from iOS. But having used a number of Android devices over the last year, and now going back to WebOS, I feel like it's 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 pretty simplistic. I mean, it's not an overly complicated one. Um, you know, you've got some some gestures and some different things that you have to learn. But once you get there, um, it, it's really nice and simple to use. And uh, the learning curve, I think, is you know, especially compared to Android, is is far less. Uh, and I'm not saying WebOS is going to be great for everybody that's out there, but I, I just I'm saying this is kind of a, a fun thing to try out for me. As you know, as I as I am as a cell phone junkie. I like to try different phones. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a great OS, you know. And one thing, you know, I was just going to take one quick step back to, like, the keyboard issue. It You have a slider there now, and that's going to obviously slow you down kind of regardless. I mean, you're kind of used to the and prefer the front-facing QWERTY mm-hmm. always there as opposed to having to slide it open. So that's going to be just a little bit of a... Uh, a hindrance for you as well but but it does give you that bigger screen you know compared to the pixie version um and then of course you don't always need the keyboard but the the going back to the os now it really is neat as far as the notification goes when i see it sitting there in a touchstone i find that oh look at that cool notification it kind of shows you on the screen what it is and when you're using the device it kind of shrinks the screen up and shows you them down the bottom uh nothing like blackberry which you, you you sometimes get an icon on the screen you're working on if you're lucky that there's something going on and it's 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 inconsistent and i don't like that aspect of like the blackberry so uh it's it's really uh it's pretty neat and i'm excited to see uh the the pre-2 coming to cdma here soon yeah that's uh we'll get to that here a little bit later in the show we expect to see that on verizon very soon but just a couple other things home brewing on the device or what i guess is uh we'll call rooting or uh, jailbreaking or whatever developer um, mode d- developer mode yes exactly is so simple to do and so um the whole process is just unbelievably easy. I was was very impressed with that. Um, what you type in the was called the Konami code or something like that. Pretty pretty funny because you're actually typing in uh, the words. So you type in you know up down up down U P D O W N U P D O W N um, left left right right A B start I think is what it is. And and so you type that all in and then you've got uh, it puts you into developer mode and then you can do all this stuff. So that's how. Um, you know, that's how I, I got started, got the mobile hotspot installed. I also uh, overclocked the device, and this was uh, thanks to Dieter from Smartphone Experts. And he was, you know, as soon as I mentioned it, he's like, oh, that's the first thing he said. You got to overclock it. So I'm running a, a program called Govna, which is G-O-V-N-A-H, <laughs> which allows you to uh, overclock it to 800 megahertz and uh, 500 megahertz when it's not running. And it works very well. I was actually impressed with that. Kind of a, just kind of a unique thing. And I don't want to, you know, tangent the entire show into talking about WebOS. But overall, that was that was a, a nice thing to see. And then finally, talking on the phone has been just just a dream. I mean, it's got the rounded corners. Um, it's a perfect size for me for talking on the phone. It's got a front-facing microphone on it, which is a, a very nice thing to have. Uh, sound quality is great. Uh, the form factor is, is great. Uh, it's a it's a phone talker's phone. Not that I do a lot of phone calls, but when I do, it seems to be on my sprint line because I've got the the serial plan. I've got all these you know minutes and crazy off-peak hours and stuff like that. So I will definitely be using that for pretty much all of my phone calls now, I think. Well, you know, Sprint and, and, and Palm were very excited about this device when it came out because they really thought they had a winner here. And, that, you know, they really did, but it kind of fell short because it was on Sprint to launch. And then it was also uh, just not very heavily marketed. And unfortunately, you have to spend money to get people's awareness up of these uh, cool devices. I mean, Apple just doesn't sit back and wait for people to uh, buy their devices. I mean, they, they spent, you know, millions and billions on marketing and advertising. So it's unfortunately, that's kind of what's, well, that's always happened with Palm in the past, but it, it is unfortunate because, you know, that design of the phone, that just the, the River Rock design is really, really just nice to hold on to. Yeah, well, it's it's wonderful. I think they did a great job with that. And uh, yeah, we'll see. You know, Pre 2 will be out here. Um, you know, who knows if Sprint will get it. We're, we're thinking it. Uh, we'll see an announcement later this week. Again, we'll get to that later in the show. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is uh, what I'm playing with. It's kind of funny to buy a phone that's, you know, a year and a half old now. But uh Great deal on it. Like I said, I paid about you know what you get, what the touchstone is new for both the phone and the touchstone. Didn't have to sign a new contract. I'm out of contract on Sprint, so I still can make a make a purchase here if I need to, and uh, won't feel bad about it. Well, that's what's great. You know, you get a device that is a year some old. You can get it on eBay for an absolutely amazing price. Try it out with absolutely nothing to lose because you can sell it for the same price almost, mm-hmm. and you don't have a new contract. Yep, it's uh, it worked out real well. So was happy about that. 
Next up, a pair of reviews this week. We've done a lot of reviews about YX products, Sigma Boosting products over the past few years, and have been fairly pleased with the results of the testing. The Z-Boost Metro gave us the improved range in an area where we couldn't permanently run a dedicated antenna outside, and the Z-Boost YX510 let me make phone calls in my office for the first time on AT&T. Now YX has continued on the success of the 500 series and has announced the YX545 or Soho. It's a dual-band repeater kit and boosts the signal for both 800 and 1900 megahertz frequency bands. It's available for $400 over at YX. Now, it's rated to cover 3,000 square feet in open areas uh, based on the signal level placement of the antennas and building construction. Though my test yielded about a third of that, I got a reliable coverage throughout about a 1,200 square foot uh, area in my office. I do have metal stud walls, you know, a metal uh, framed drop ceiling, um, and also the base antenna was mounted underneath my desk uh, because I had to give it the required 15 feet of vertical separation. Though using it on the Verizon Curve, uh, Sprint Bold, Sprint Pre, and the AT&T iPhone 4, signal increases were noticeable, about 15 to 20 dBm increase throughout that uh, 1,200 square foot area. Uh, that also negated the need for me to be right on top of the antenna like some of the previous ones that I had tested out. Um, you know, this has been a constant struggle for me in, in the area that I spend essentially nine to ten hours a day and uh, so the soho definitely provided me something that i was uh, you know without in the past which was an area that allowed me to kind of walk around and, and spend a little you know not have to be right on top of the antenna like i have in the past um it, you know it boosts both 1900 and 850 bands my experience has been i don't really need it on the 850 band but it's still nice to see that and uh, you know i've gone from um you know three or four to full five bar service all the time where I am right now. So that was, uh, it was quite good. Um, overall, it does what it says, you know, 400 bucks. It's not cheap, but this is probably the best one from YX that I've tried out. And so I appreciate them sending this over uh, for a test period. Thank you very much for that. Um, and then finally, the uh, the iWrap for iPhone 4. I've always been a fan of devices having some sort of case or skin on them. Of course, keeps them protected, especially out in the world where you're dropping them and putting keys in your pocket with them and whatnot. But, uh, you know, I like the feel and frame of the iPhone 4. I think it just begs to be shown off. And so I've reviewed some of the Invisible Shield and Bodyguard products in the past. And when iWrap reached out and said they wanted to, us to check out their products, I said, yes, of course. Uh, they tout a no-liquid install, a virtually indestructible film and uh, overall uh, it's a great competitor in this market it it does not require you to have to spray any liquid on this particular uh this you know this particular product that they have um it comes with uh, a pretty simple setup um and allows you to gives you a little i'll just say a tab on the uh, on this where you're putting it on so you're not actually touching the film because of course that could be make things a little bit difficult and just the way that they show you how to install it it makes a whole lot of sense um it uh over it when you first put it on, it's a little bit cloudy, and I think most of them are. As you get, you know, a little bit of uh, air bubbles or whatever underneath uh, where the the film is and, and the screen itself. Uh, though after about two to two to three days, that is completely gone. Uh, it's a very nice, clear um, film that goes on the screen. I when you look at it compared to like the Invisible Shield, you've got that orange peel on the Invisible Shield. Nothing like that at all on the iWrap. It's also a great price, 20 bucks, and it gives you full coverage. Uh, that includes the sides of the device and the back and everything like that. Now, um, I will say I was, I was looking forward to testing this out because of the antenna issue that you get on the iPhone 4 when you touch the bottom left corner. Unfortunately, um, how the iPhone 4 is designed, it, there's just maybe like a quarter of a millimeter of a gap that comes between the front glass and that metal frame. And so because of that, when you grip it in your left hand, your palm actually goes around the sides and touches this, I'll just say, the, the, the vertical face that um, is is parallel to the actual glass screen. Anyway, bottom line, it doesn't totally take, you know, get rid of the antenna gate issue. But if you're just kind of holding it in your hand and you happen to touch that area, it's not going to affect it. But when you when you grip it tightly, it certainly does. And so it doesn't fully take care of that issue. Um, and also, of course, you put this on there and you're adding a little bit of thickness. And so certain cases will not work on it. That was one thing I like to do is, you know, multiple layers of protection. You put an invisible shield on it, then you put a case on it, and then you, you know, and it and that uh, kind of gives you, you know, multiple levels of it. And so unfortunately, some of these slide on or snap on cases don't quite fit, uh, though uh, some of the OtterBox ones I, I tried did, and so that was nice. Yeah, what's great to, to when you put skins on your phones, basically it keeps it as good as new, 
and uh, it, it's it's great for uh, when you like to sell your devices and frequently change because then when you do have uh, the resale then uh, it's much more likely to sell when it looks like it's brand new yeah absolutely and the one that I looked at was they've had this one out for the iPhone 4 for a while but the model that I looked at um, is a universal one for both GSM and CDMA models. And so depending on you know which whichever one you get, if you had pre-ordered your Verizon iPhone this week, and we'll talk about that later too, um, you can pick up one of these and uh, it will be compatible with that. And it will be available starting on uh, February 8th. So if you are uh, looking to get one of these starting on the 8th, you can go over to getirap.com for 20 bucks and get one of these. Uh, also, we are going to be giving away three of them. I've got three coupon codes uh, as part of this review. And if you're interested, head over to thecellphonejunkie.com and under reviews, go to iRap for iPhone 4 review and just leave a comment on the blog post between now and Saturday, February 12th at 1159 Eastern. We'll choose three people randomly from the comments and send out the codes for you to place your order through the iRap website. Thanks to Tim and the entire iRap team for sponsoring this giveaway. So if you've got an iPhone 4 and you want to check these out, head over to the site, thecellphonejunkie.com, find the review, leave a comment, and you'll be entered to win. Uh, We'll choose three people randomly and announce them on next week's show. So let's jump into the news this week. First off, with an Engadget post this week, rumors of the HTC Thunderbolt supporting simultaneous voice and data have been confirmed. Though the real story was that Verizon appears to be close to rolling out a simultaneous voice and data network over the CDMA 1X Advanced Network known as SVDO. Now announced back in 2009, 1X Advanced allows 3G CDMA operators to significantly increase their voice capacity of the CDMA 2000 1X network by taking advantage of several interference cancellation and radio link enhancements. Among the improvements are the base transceiver station interference cancellation, improved power control, early frame termination, and smart blanking. Now, a complete set of 1X advanced enhancements can theoretically quadruple the voice capacity of the CDMA 2000 systems in that same 1.25 megahertz of spectrum. With this, a complementary device enhancement known as simultaneous 1X voice and EVDO data, or SVDO, will become available during the same time frame and enable these devices to access EVDO packet data services while there's an active circuit-switched voice call. What does that all mean? You can make a call and surf the web at the same time on EVDO. Uh, Now, the iPhone 4 will not support SVDO, but it guarantees that Verizon will be able to handle a number of iPhones that are about to flood its network. Any of the up-and-coming devices with the newer chipsets that have the SVDO support will also be able to take advantage of the service. And uh, if you go back, we'll tie this together, looking at Qualcomm's What's Next for CDMA slide that they had posted. We'll put a link in the show notes. They referenced the Mobile RX Diversity supported with the One X Advanced. Linking this back to a BlackBerry story that we talked about on last week's show where CrackBerry talked about the bold touch um, having the, quote, receive diversity. Remember my comment on last week's show, how I wasn't really sure what that was? Well, this is it. It's the ability to support simultaneous voice and data. So you've got devices that BlackBerry will be, or RIM will be releasing, like the BlackBerry Bold Touch that will have this uh, built in. And so far, we don't know when this is going to launch, though current rumors have the Thunderbolt launching about the 24th of February, meaning the network could be live by then or at least shortly after. So this was a a pretty big story. Nobody talked about this, and I was really surprised. And so, uh, Joey, you kind of helped put all the pieces together here, and this is big news. I think it is because it really takes the uh, that that one big feature that that AT&T and the T-Mobile has is simultaneous voice and data. And of course, it's big news with the iPhone because, you know, the iPhone is a very data intensive device. And this is going to give you uh, that capability in the future, obviously not for this year for the iPhone 4. But I would assume probably next year or maybe at the, at the latest, the year after that the iPhone 4 on Verizon will support simultaneous voice and data. But it also gives people like with the upcoming Thunderbolt the ability to do it because it's going to be a consistent user experience. When you're on 4G, you can do simultaneous voice and data because you're on LTE. It's a separate network, separate radios, everything. But when you're on 3G, you're also going to have that support. So the phone is not going to be inconsistent. And that's what's really nice to have that uh, ability to keep it basically the same all the time. I mean, I suppose unless you're in a 1X area where you've got no high-speed data at all, but that's uh, on Verizon network now. That's basically, it doesn't even occur anymore. So it's, it's really good. And I think this is very exciting to see CDMA finally getting into this because this is something they really have needed for quite some time. 
and uh, it it's just it's it's good because it will uh, also make their network just support more devices. Which, of course, as we know, the iPhone it's going to really uh, probably give them a big boost. So yeah, again, the current iPhone, the iPhone four that will be released this week will not support this bill you know and before you ask no it's not going to be a software update this is on the chipset level that supports this and so you're going to need a new device to do this um you know on a verizon slide that engadget posted this week um, this is where this all kind of started it said there's functionality in the thunderbolt that allows simultaneous voice and data well on the verizon 3g network however we cannot promise the experience will be the one that is consistent with our brand and as a result we do not reference the functionality as a benefit uh, during and don't talk about it during your conversations with customers. So that kind of tells you where Verizon is at with this. It's still very much in its infancy, but it's there. It's coming. We will see this, which is amazing. For years, we've been talking about how, nope, don't get this on EVDO. Well, guess what? It's coming. Yeah, because they've they've obviously said in the past, you know, Rev B, uh, which is the standard that does support it, it just wasn't going anywhere and no carrier was going to pick it up here in the U.S. And uh, now this is kind of a different a totally different standard as it's not the evdo standard it's the 1x uh, advanced standard so uh, it's definitely interesting that we've got this uh, coming because it may not be fully rolled out across the country here in one big swoop but it looks like it is coming at least in a patchwork style format because uh, you know according to that slide yeah i think it was really uh, kind of an interesting uh, you know find and i was it was really when you first said you got to you know you got to write about this you got to get it up on the blog i was like really Do, are we tying this all together does this is this really it and started digging into it and i was like yeah this is it i mean it's here um you know people are saying yeah there's something happening with the thunderbolt and uh that's you know crackberry posts these slides that talk about received diversity but we, again it wasn't tied back together this is all tied together i mean th- this is going to happen yeah, it is. And it was, yeah, it was pretty exciting to find that because uh, once I started doing searches for these chipsets, like the Thunderbolt chipset, then I found out what it was that it had in it. And then it led me to these other slides and other uh, presentations that Qualcomm has on their website uh, about 1X Advanced. And then, of course, the press releases of that from about a year ago when they announced the 1X Advanced. And now, obviously, they've uh, put it in place. It's very exciting. Well, uh, it was a great find. I think we're, uh, we'll see a lot from this here, and, and moving forward, we'll have a lot to talk about with it with new devices that can support it for sure. Well, a recent Nielsen survey showed that nearly one-third of U.S. mobile users had smartphones at the end of 2010, and that the numbers are even across Android, RIM, and iOS, about 27% each. Over the past year, Nielsen showed a steady 27% market share average for Apple's iPhone, while RIM's BlackBerry fell from a high of 39%, and Android rose from a starting point in the single digits. Currently, about half of all U.S. Android phones are on Verizon, which is expected to shift marketing efforts over the next few months towards the iPhone 4. Meanwhile, as the exclusivity runs out, AT&T is expected to begin focusing more of its efforts towards other platforms such as Android and exclusive devices such as the BlackBerry Torch. Research firm Canalys on Monday reported quarterly worldwide smartphone figures showing Android pulling ahead of Nokia for the first time since its launch in 2008. Shipments of Android-based smartphones reached 32.9 million, while devices running Nokia's Symbian platform trailed to 31.0 million worldwide. But Nokia did retain its position as the leading global smartphone vendor with a share of 28%. The fourth quarter also saw uh, the worldwide smartphone market continue to soar with shipments of 101.2 million units, representing year-over-year growth of 89%. The final quarter took shipments for the year a fraction below 300 million units with the annual growth rate of 80% over 2009. The United States continued as the largest country market in terms of shipments, more than double the size of the Chinese smartphone market. RIM captured first place from Apple as the latter experienced its usual U.S. seasonal dip, and RIM benefited from the first full quarter of shipments from the BlackBerry Torch. Finally, Apple's iPhone still only accounts for about 4% of global phone market share, and they now take in roughly 50% of profits. That means over 50%, or 50% right there, of the profits for all phones sold in the world are now going to Apple. Amazing. A SIM code charted the top uh, eight mobile phone vendors with Apple's half easily, uh, their half of their profits easily number one, followed by Nokia, Samsung, and RIM, each with only 10 to 15% of the profits. It's it's amazing the amount that Apple is making on this device, and uh, you know no doubt uh, that it's going to continue to be a very profitable venture for them. 
LG on Monday announcing plans to roll out a near-field communication system throughout Europe over the next year. The system will enable users of LG mobile phones to make payments at Europe retailers. Uh, Initially targeted at small and medium-sized businesses, the system is currently in beta testing. LG currently has no plans to bring the technology to the U.S., And then Visa this week began testing its iPhone-based near-field communications payment system in select parts of Europe. Computer reports said that the service requires software on the device and a hardware accessory for the near-field communications chip attached to the iPhone. A hardware terminal at a point-of-sale system for the merchant then receives the signal from that attachment on the phone. No word, though, on how long the trial will last or when the service will be made public. Yahoo Mail this week confirmed that the source of the data leak issued for Windows Phone 7 handsets was, in fact, their mail service. Uh, A few weeks back, we talked about an issue where devices were sending large amounts of data unexpectedly during overnight hours. Rafael Rivera, part of the Chevron WP7 team, created tests to determine the offending app. Yahoo email has been suspected by many users for some time, but has now been confirmed with the demonstration. Yahoo appears to be sending around 25 times the amount of data that it needs to, and Rivera recommended that following the following for Yahoo Mail users. A workaround allows uh, for those that are using the mail service not to transmit data via cellular, cellular connection by going into settings, cellular, data roaming options. And as an alternative, you can set your Yahoo mail account to download new content only on manual triggering, uh, triggering the sync, which will go through Yahoo mail settings and sync settings. Further, Rivera contests that Yahoo's IMAP email issues are not confined to Windows Phone 7 devices and that users of the iPhone may experience the same issue. Microsoft is officially acknowledging the issue, stating that Microsoft and Yahoo have also have worked together to identify a fix, which will be rolled out in the upcoming weeks. There's also a problem with Exchange ActiveSync, and some will experience this issue. We'll find a fix in a software update coming out very soon. Yahoo on Wednesday responded to the issue, stating that the issue of the Windows Phone 7 is specific on how Microsoft chose to implement IMAP for Yahoo Mail and does not impact Yahoo Mail on other mobile devices. Yahoo has offered to provide Microsoft a near-term solution for the implementation they chose and is encouraging Microsoft to change the standard way of integrating with Yahoo Mail, which would result in a permanent fix. The International Electrotechnical Commission this week Uh, has finalized the specification for technical details of how chargers are to be made for mobile phones. The spec mandates the use of micro USB ports for charging purposes and sets the power requirements for manufacturers to adhere to the interoperability standards across brands and handsets. Uh, Currently, there are 14 different handset makers in collaboration with the IEC that will help finalize the spec, including Apple, Nokia, RIM, and Blaze Mobile, Huawei, LGE, Motorola, NEC, Qualcomm, Samsung, Sony, and TCT. Uh, <clears throat> we should see some uh, some changes here coming very soon, but this is great to see finally. We've got, uh, you know, here in the U.S., I know they, I think it was here in the U.S. they ratified it, and they've ratified it in a lot of other specifications as well, but, you know, it's, it's one nice thing here. We've got finally the micro USB has really started to be just in everything, and there's nothing nicer than having your micro USB charger sitting there in the, uh, like, on your kitchen counter, and you've got uh, a phone you can charge up, Oh, you can charge up any phone. Oh, look at this, uh, you know, MP3 player you've got. Oh, you've got a Barnes & Noble Nook. Oh, that charges with it, too. You've got this other device you can charge. I mean, everything is becoming standardized, and it's it's uh, so convenient because when you travel, guess what you need? You need one micro USB cable and one little USB charger, and you can charge it with your computer, a car, because you can just buy these $3, you know, DC chargers to run with your car. It's just handy. It absolutely is. Now, <clears throat> the uh, the actual use of the port, the micro USB port, is only half of it. The other side of it is the power requirement, and you know manufacturers seem to have always you know shipped different um, power type of uh, you know you know power sources in their AS- AC adapters in their devices here chargers, and so it's been kind of annoying, and so that is also part of the standard, which is nice. It is, yeah, because uh, you know USB is uh, five and twelve volts, and of course all these little devices uh, run on on five volts. So basically, everybody's just kind of standardized on running five volts. Yeah, and you know the only exception to this is going to be the tablet, and, and people have started to see this already with the 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 iPad and the Tab. You know where they're seeing two amps of uh, power needed to actually get these things charged up in a reasonable amount of time. And I, I misspoke there. It's not 12 volts on the USB. It's just 5 volts. It's uh, a lot of the devices that we used to use were 12 volts. And that's why we'd have, you know, 
uh, other transformers that would plug into the wall. You know, that's like, that's why when you have an external hard drive, if you've got one of the big models, the three and a half inch hard drive models, that's why you need to plug it into the wall, whereas the small laptop drives, you don't. Hmm. Well, anyway, it's good to see that there's finally some specs that are being, you know, put forth that will ensure interoperability. They're talking about, you know, like, 50,000 tons of chargers not having to be made anymore just because there's, you know, so many uh, so many people be able to use the chargers that they have. And, you know, once you, you get one, I mean, you can just kind of use it, you know, indefinitely moving forward. Absolutely. It, it's a great thing for waste. I mean, it, it, it just is. Uh, and also... Uh, the micro USB uh, plug itself is is durable enough to to give you a nice long lifetime. Unlike the mini USB, where the the cycle count of plugging in and plugging in and uh, pulling out was something like twenty or thirty thousand times, whereas the micro USB is like two hundred and fifty thousand times that it's rated for. So it's a much more durable connection as well. We just got to see some of the uh, the big players out there like Apple, you know, jump into this. Like a, I mentioned, they are on board for this, for finalizing the specs. So I'm not sure what that will mean, but it would be great to see a switch away from their uh, their proprietary 30-pin dock connector. We'll see what happens. And it may only be just for charging that they include the micro USB port, but it's definitely better than nothing. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Well, a recent study done by Tell Labs found that unless mobile operators change their ways, they will become unprofitable within three years. The report found that the dynamic growth of the mobile data traffic is putting increased pressure on mobile networks. Currently, operators are meeting that demand by adding capacity, which in the Telelab study said is not sustainable for the long term. All operators face this dilemma, but North American operators are at more risk because of higher network access costs. The report predicts that North American operators will have the likelihood of reaching the end of their profitability by 2013. Interesting. And this is the the backstory of the net neutrality, you know, with the increasing of videos and, and you know, high definition TV streaming. This stuff is very, uh, very worrisome for, to the carriage because I, I believe this actually is true. I mean, this is probably a slight exaggeration, but, mo- you know, moving forward here, the data usage is just expanding like crazy. I mean, you saw the graphs and the smartphone adoption rate. I mean, those graphs just going to keep shooting up. And more and more mobile devices are going to be using their data network and it's going to become more and more expensive to use. And that's why, you know, traffic shaping and charging more for Netflix delivery versus other, you know, web delivery and email delivery is going to be something that the carrier is going to be pushing for big time because that's the way to sustain profitability. Well, that's not just the U.S. either. I mean, Asia Pacific is, you know, they're going to have their carriers falling out of the black uh, a year later and Western Europe by 2015. So, Operators are neither going to have to change the way that that we do what we do, whether it's surfing the web, viewing video or whatever, or they're going to have to set uh, rates and charges appropriately. It's going to be one of the two. I mean, th- those are the options at this point. So, um, you know, we've, we've got some, uh, some different things that are going to be happening here as we start to use more and more data. And, uh, you know, as we make the move away from circuit switched voice as well, people are going to be doing more and more voice traffic over the data network as well. Um, so they'll have to they'll have to make changes there, too. And if video calling ever actually does take off, uh, that will be a huge strain as well. Yeah, absolutely. Research in Motion Friday announced a new program called BlackBerry Trade Up. The program allows for users to trade in their old BlackBerry for a discount when purchasing a new device. The program applies only to some models, and the trade-in values range between $75 and $120, fluctuating on the condition of the device. The program will be available in the U.S. only. So I looked into this briefly. I just had a coworker just bought a 9650 on Sprint, and I pulled it up to see what he would get for his old 8330 curve. And they would give, I believe it was $30 for the curve, and then $20 as a rebate on the new phone. So it would be a $50 check total for uh, for that particular uh, example. But it kind of varies based on which models you're trading in and which models you purchased. It's an easy way to get rid of your old devices and get them into, you know, get a few bucks back for your new purchase and, and uh, you know, make sure that it doesn't end up in a landfill. Though, there, there's still a good possibility that you could get at least $50, if not more, by selling it on eBay. Uh, it's, a, you know, one of the more popular smartphones out there. And so you may have people that are looking for replacement, either devices or, you know, even parts. And so you, you just take a look at that before you make your decision. Absolutely. And it probably depends on the condition a little bit, too. Yeah, Absolutely. 
An analyst letter to Nokia's CEO triggered speculation this week that the Finnish phone maker may be looking to adopt Windows Phone 7 as the OS on some or all of its smartphone line. Nokia's CEO and former Microsoft executive Stephen Elop also made comments last month that Nokia was willing to create and or join other ecosystems. Rumors started flying after Anand Ahmad, an analyst with the Burenbeck Bank, urged the Nokia executive and Microsoft CEO Steve Ballmer to form an alliance that would give Nokia full and exclusive access to the Windows Phone IP. Elop will also be speaking to investors in London this week, where a platform shift could be announced. Okay, well, there's one word in their exclusive access that doesn't make any sense to no. me. Uh, this would have made sense back before they launched Windows Phone 7, but not now because we've got other devices running Windows Phone 7 out in the wild, and Microsoft has never been one to go with one particular exclusive hardware manufacturer that's kind of against their business model entirely. So, uh, I mean, uh, maybe they'll give them some sort of exclusive build of the Windows Phone 7, but not an exclusive uh, to the operating system at, at all. Well, I'm not expecting them to, you know, to make this a, a full jump. I mean, I think they'll still see Symbian on a number of their devices. And, you know, it's not it's not like they couldn't make this jump. I mean, just Nokia. I mean, they, they're a big player with, with Symbian. They're an investor. I know that. And But it doesn't mean that they have to use them. In fact, they've got multiple distributions that are that are out there on their devices. You know, they've got the Series 40 and they've got the, you know, the Symbian version 3 and S60 and all that stuff. So they've got uh, all these different, you know, t- you know different variants of the, the OS that is, is Symbian out there, but it doesn't mean that they have to stick with them. And it seems like, you know, Windows Phone 7 is just getting going here, and I don't think it'd be bad for Nokia to, to move to an operating system like this. It's definitely, I don't know if you'd say more modern, but it's definitely something new and uh, and for probably a lot of people, very uh, easy to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think it'd be good, um, especially with the N8. You know, you get, uh, you've got a great camera on there. You throw on a very, very fast and stable OS and you got, you got yourself a nice device. Well, in a lawsuit filed on Thursday in California federal court, Patrick Hendricks claims that AT&T is inflating the amount of data downloaded by each customer and subsequently overcharging them. The suit says that the phantom traffic is added to the tally of monthly usage by overestimating the amount used, similar to a rigged gas pump that charges for a full gallon when pumps only nine-tenths of a gallon in your car's tank. Hendricks says that he used a private firm to track his data usage on the AT&T network with all data services turned off. The firm reported 2.2 megs of data used during the week of testing. The complaint is also looking for restitution and class action damages. AT&T responded by saying that it will vigorously fight the lawsuit. This is something that I'm, I'm actually not surprised at, and it seems like carriers have always done that with data. They've always kind of rounded up and, and have not really been very forthcoming, but they'll charge you an arm and a leg for this data usage, especially if you don't have a data plan. Do you remember back uh, kind of uh, in the earlier days of the Cell Phone Junkie uh, show here, Mickey, there was always always the 0. $0.02 cents versus $0. $0.02 that they were, that, you know, their, their terminology on their website and their terms and conditions says it was 0.02 cents for data. But then when you call them up, they'd be like, well, it's $0.02. And then you get the bill and it'd be $0.02 instead of 0.22 cents. They, they didn't seem to understand that's a factor of a hundred different, you know, it's a hundred times more expensive they were charging you than what their actual conditions and terms would say. But nobody, you couldn't explain this to anybody who understood it because nobody understood stood this funny math of a hundred times difference. So um, it is frustrating because uh, this this kind of thing is hard to control and hard to monitor on your side. And it's easy for them, but they'll just go ahead and uh, charge you anyway for it. Well, it's been this way on the voice side for 25 years in cellular. It's not like you get billed by the second. Uh, you know, there was what voice stream or someone who did that at one point. But I mean, it's all rounded up minutes right now. And we don't seem to have a problem with that. Yeah, unless you go for the uh, what is it? The, the Walmart one, the CentOS or CentOS. Uh, yes. That's a rounded down. Yeah, but most people don't do it. I mean, they just, uh, you know, what does it matter? I mean, you've got so many, and I guess that's kind of the feeling with it on the data side, but, uh, you know, Mr. Uh, Mr. Hendricks does not believe so. Verizon Thursday said in a memo that they will begin to throttle the data speeds of customers that consume an extraordinary amount of data. 
The memo reads, Verizon Wireless strives to provide customers with the best experience when using our network, a shared resource among tens of millions of customers. To help achieve this, if you are using an extraordinary amount of data and fall within the top 5% of Verizon Wireless data users, we may reduce your data throughput speeds periodically for the remainder of your then current and immediately following billing cycle to ensure high quality network performance for other users at locations and times of peak demand. Our proactive management of the Verizon Wireless Network is designed to ensure that the remaining 95% of data customers are not negatively affected by the inordinate data consumption of just a few users. No specifics on the amount of data needed to re- to reach and invoke that throttle or what the speed will be during the period. And in addition to the throttling policy, Verizon will also be implementing optimization and transcoding technologies for files, and the techniques include caching less data, using less capacity, and sizing videos more appropriately for devices. Verizon also said that they that while any char change in two files will likely be indiscernible, the optimization process may minimally impact the appearance of files on devices. I can remember this from the sprint days when you used to do the wireless web. They Everything went through proxy servers and all the images and websites that you pull up would be totally unviewable. They were just just terribly compressed. That's what this kind of uh, is reminding me of. But hopefully it's not too extreme of a uh, uh, restriction here because it could be up to two months. I mean, if you hit your limit really quick, I mean, you'd be at an entire month at minimum uh, that you'd be in this so-called uh, you know throttled state. Yeah. So if you uh, happen to be one of those 5%, let us know. We'd love to see what your speeds are. Any uh, you know speed tests or things that you can show us would be interesting to see for sure. Sprint announced Monday the availability of WiMAX roaming for certain customers on networks in Jamaica and Taiwan. The agreements with Digicel and Global Mobile allow customers to purchase one day unlimited roaming passes for 15 bucks. The deal is only valid for laptop dongles as smartphone users will not be able to take advantage of the agreements. T-Mobile Tuesday announcing the expansion of its HSPA Plus network in multiple areas across the country. Starting this week, the following areas will now have access to 42 megabit per second speeds. Albany, Augusta, Columbus, and Macon, Georgia, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Champaign, Illinois, Lansing, Michigan, and Rochester, Minnesota. The company expects to have 140 million pops covered by uh, it in 25 markets by the faster speeds in the middle of 2011. Also, T-Mobile announced again the first 21 megabit per second capable smartphone, the Samsung Galaxy S4G, running Android 2.2. The device features a 1 gigahertz Cortex-A8 Hummingbird processor, 5 megapixel camera, and 720p video recording. A 16 gigabyte pre-installed micro SD card will also be there with a 1650 milliamp hour battery. T-Mobile says the phone will be released this month, though pricing has not been set. Also on Tuesday, T-Mobile announcing the T-Mobile Global Business Plan, making roaming charges for multinational companies and governmental agencies a little bit less. Unlike traditional international bucket mobility plans, the new T-Mobile Global for Business Plan is a pay-per-use plan with a monthly access fee and discounts up to 80% off of international voice and data roaming in more than 200 countries across the globe. Exact rates, though, were not provided. LG on Tuesday confirmed that it will unveil the world's first 3G 3D smartphone at the Mobile World Congress next week. Their claim, though, is that the handset will offer the first 3D experience without glasses. It will include dual cameras for 3D video capture, a 3D LCD that doesn't require you to have any sort of headwear on, and connectivity options such as HDMI and DLNA. No word on what operating system the device will run, though LG says it will be something bigger and it's coming your way. Well, thanks to our first sponsor of the show, Square Trade. Protect your investment through a special offer from Square Trade. The offer price is 70% lower than in-store warranties. Visit squaretrade.com slash junkie to get an additional 25% off your order. Square Trade offers a five-day guarantee, meaning you'll either have a fixed device or your money back within five days or less. Squaretrade.com slash junkie. Click on Get a Warranty. Choose your device. Once you've done that, you'll see your podcast listener discount in the order summary for 25% off your total purchase. Thanks to Square Trade for sponsoring the show. Well, Verizon on Wednesday announced details for ordering your iPhone 4. They said they had set aside an unspecified number of iPhones for existing customers to start their pre-orders at 3 a.m. the next day. 
pre-ordered iPhones would arrive on or before February 10th was the quote in the original email. And for those non-Verizon customers, you can pre-order your device starting on February 9th and be able to pick it up or have one delivered for you on the 10th. Now, Verizon and Apple retail stores will be opening at 7 a.m. on Thursday the 10th, and Best Buy also announced that they would be carrying the Verizon iPhone on launch day as well. Shortly after 8 p.m. Eastern on Thursday the 3rd, Apple and Verizon have each stopped taking iPhone 4 pre-orders from their respective sites. Plans, if you decide to purchase, start at $70 per month, similar to uh, the, the plans that are available on AT&T. You can also choose that $20 additional uh, plan for two gigs of tethered data. The 16 gig model is 200 bucks, and the 32 gig is 300 Later on Thursday, Verizon issued a press statement saying this was an exciting day. Dan Mead, president and chief executive officer for Verizon Wireless, said, in just our first two hours, we already sold more phones than any first launch date in our history. And when you consider these initial orders were placed between the hours of 3 and 5 a.m. Eastern time, it's an incredible success story. And it's gratifying to know that our customers have responded so enthusiastically to this exclusive offer designed to reward them for their loyalty. Now, overall, the early Apple pre-order uh, was smoother and faster on Verizon than it was on AT&T, um, or excuse me, on Verizon, on the Apple website than Verizon's website. Uh, because Apple is not the wireless carrier, the pre-order skipped over the section for choosing a calling and data plan, and uh, these options will be chosen during the activation process through iTunes. It does appear that things went south, though, about 5 a.m. Eastern as multiple users starting to say started to say that the ordering page was timing out or being extremely sluggish. Early reviews came out later on, uh, or, or late in the week, and some people were saying uh, that they had pretty good results with it. Macworld said the distance with the mobile hotspot is good, but if you're using the internet and your phone rings, your internet connection immediately drops. TechCrunch said that Verizon seems to have a have none of the same issues uh, for the antenna as the AT&T model and has much better signal and lack of dropped calls than the AT&T model in San Francisco. All Things D said Verizon's model didn't uh, did much, much better with voice calls, though AT&T's network averaged 46% faster on download speeds and 24% faster on uploads. And lastly, Engadget says that calls were consistently connected and uninterrupted far more than our AT&T calls in the same period in similar locations. However, data rates on the Verizon iPhone 4 we tested were dramatically slower than the AT&T counterpart. Yeah, and that's kind of just what we're going to expect with the EVDO network. It's going to be a lot more reliable pretty much everywhere in the country. Uh, it, it, I suppose as a it, as long as you're not in a really big, you know, concentrated city, you know, that's where AT&T will really uh, fall down, as we saw in Las Vegas. But uh, it's very exciting to see this finally on the CDMA side and Verizon users. There's going to be so many more people that will have access to the iPhone now and also have access to a 3G speed iPhone, you know, because if you're on AT&T and you're in an edge only area, that's what you're stuck with. And if you can even purchase one in those areas. Um, but this is, is very exciting. It's nice that they actually uh, are selling the iPhone 4. I, for a little while, thought maybe it would have been one of the older generations of iPhone. But of course, it kind of is because we're kind of six months behind here um, on the release cycle. So I, I guess I was court, sort of right on that, that it is kind of a slightly older device, uh, but it's still a very, very good device, and it really isn't going to be outdated here come this summer. Well, the demand was so high that Verizon said that they are urging its employees and their families to hold off from purchasing their phone at this time. Um, the memo to cust- or to employees of Verizon said that uh, you know customers have waited to see this product for years, and demand will be unprecedented. Please uh, urge uh, your families to postpone purchases on popular smart- the popular smartphone, whether it's online or in retail stores for the time being. Yeah, I mean, there probably will be a, a shortage of stock here, especially around the release, but I have a feeling it's going to be available fairly soon. I mean, if you do have to wait, it, it may be a couple of weeks. I, I don't see like a three, four, five month uh, backlog on these. I think it's uh, very, very nice. I think it's uh, a great thing that they have it, and there's going to be a lot of happy people. And again, we can finally stop talking about when it's going to come out, because guess what? It's coming this week. Enjoy. PreCentral.net got their hands on a screenshot showing the Palm Pre 2 coming to Verizon. The information shows the device launching on the 17th of February across all sales channels. Price after rebate and two-year agreement is only 100 bucks. Also remember, Palm has their Think Beyond event coming up this Wednesday, where new devices, including smartphones and tablets, are expected to be announced. 
T-Mobile Wednesday launched the Dell Streak 7, a 7-inch Android tablet running Android 2.2. Specs include dual-core Tegra 2 1GHz processor, 7-inch capacitive touchscreen with only 800 by 480 resolution. That's disappointing. 5-megapixel rear-facing camera with flash and autofocus, 1.3-megapixel front-facing camera, 720p video, HSPA+, 16 gigs of internal storage, SD expansion, 802.11 BG&N, Bluetooth 2.1, and GPS. The device is T-Mobile's first, quote, 4G tablet and is available for $200 with a two-year contract and $50 mail-in rebate. T-Mobile and LG Tuesday announcing the, uh, the details of its G Slate tablet. The device will run Android 3.0 Honeycomb with a 1 gigahertz NVIDIA Tegra 2 processor. 32 gigs of storage has an 8.9-inch HD display capable of playing 3D content. The device will have two cameras, 5 megapixel on the back with LED flash and 1080p HD 3D video-capable recording, and 2 megapixel user-facing units. Uh, the, feature, uh, the phone or device will also feature 720p HD video playback with 1080p HDMI output. The device will run on T-Mobile's HSPA Plus network at speeds up to 21 megabits per second and is set to be available in March. Pricing, though, was not released. Virgin Mobile Tuesday announced the availability of the LG Optimus V. The device features a 3.2-inch touchscreen, 3.2-megapixel camera, swipe keyboard, and Android 2.2. The Optimus V will be sold at Radio Shack and Virgin stores for $150 with no contract. AT&T Tuesday announced the HTC Inspire 4G will be available beginning on Sunday, February 13th. The device will run Android 2.2 and have the latest version of HTC Sense. The Inspire is the first of 20 4G devices slated to be launched this year by the carrier and will take advantage of the HSPA Plus network. The phone is available for $100 with a two-year agreement. And further, Radio Shack announced on Friday that it's taking pre-orders for the device, giving those who pre-order the Inspire 4G $30 in credit towards accessories for the phone. Eligible customers wishing to pre-order the Inspire 4G will have to leave a deposit of $50. And early reviews have been fairly positive. PhoneScoop says that the Inspire 4G is the best Android handset being offered by AT&T at the moment. It gets almost all the basic features right. BGR says we really dug into the styling of the Inspire 4G. It feels very current yet familiar. The unibody construction has high-grade materials, specifically aluminum, which really makes it feel like a quality product. And Bright Hub says, overall, the Samsung Infuse 4G is really, excuse me, Inspire is really shaping up uh, to be a great follow-up to the Captivate and is a good, uh, good rating overall. Uh, this is a, a pretty neat device, though uh, I wonder how long that's going to stay on top with the Atrix right around the corner. Well, we will just have to see. I mean, sometimes people really like the uh, slightly older devices, but I, we've got uh, so many new of these 4G devices coming out. We'll really have to see how the, the network uh, handles this. Yeah. And with the launch, AT&T also announced the new mobile hotspot feature for select smartphones. Mobile hotspot allows users to share their data connection over the Wi-Fi on their smartphone and will work in conjunction with the phone's data plan, offering four gigs of data for $45 a month. AT&T also said that they'll be adding on an additional two gigs of data for users of other tethering plans. So if you're on that uh, iPhone plan right now, you'll get four gigs of data now. AT&T did confirm that uh, it will offer the feature on the iPhone uh, for the same $20 additional charge, though no timeline was set. I like the idea of this, but I, I they, they're just the that network that they announce these things and then it takes them months for them to roll it out. Yeah, and that's not very exciting. I mean, I, I don't like having to wait months and months for these features. You forget they even uh, existed by the time they become available. And is $45 uh, extremely expensive? To me, that seems really high to me. Well, I guess if you look at it's a $25 data plan that gives you two gigs right now, and then you add on another $20 for uh, tethering, then um, you know there's your 45 bucks. versus uh, when you talk about it on Verizon, they've got um, the five gig, I guess it's unlimited, you know, fair use five gig unlimited plan for 30 bucks plus $20 for mobile hotspot. Um, you know, it's, that's about right. I mean, they're right in line with the uh, Verizon there. Okay. So I, it's not $45 additional. That's no. what I kind of took it as. No. Um, okay. So that's not nearly as bad. Okay. That that's kind of in the range of, uh, somewhat acceptable there. Yeah. Uh, overage fees are 10 bucks a gigabyte. So keep that in mind. If you're going to be using this, uh, you'll be, you'll be subject to any overage fees over the 4g, 
or excuse me, four gigabyte uh, plan that you have among all their devices. And then the Wall Street Journal Thursday said that AT&T would be releasing the Motorola Atrix 4G on March 6th, pre-orders beginning on February 13th. The newspaper cites AT&T as the source, and the device will be released for $200 on contract, or $500 that will include the laptop dock accessory. The dock itself will be sold for $500 standalone as well if you decide to purchase it with no contract. Dell this week made the Android 2.2 powered venue available in the U.S. for both AT&T and T-Mobile. The separate variants uh, will each feature a 4.1-inch AMOLED screen with 800 by 480 resolution, 8-megapixel camera, and 16 gigs of storage. The phone will be available from Dell.com for either carrier for $500 with no contract. Sprint and Monday announcing the Motorola i686 Brute, an update to the i680 Brute. The 686 is a mil-spec 810G ruggedized flip phone running on the iDen network. It will be $120 on contract. And lastly, in devices, Verizon on Monday announcing an update for the Pantech UML290 LTE modem, bringing with it official Mac support. After the news last week that the LG LTE modem update came without Mac support, we didn't expect to see it for another few weeks. The update, though, is free and can be downloaded from Verizon's site. Well, if you're looking for another way to support the cell phone junkie, you can join us on TCPJ Unlocked, our bi-monthly premium podcast. Only 5 bucks a month or $45 a year. You'll get in-depth conversations about the latest in cellular issues as well as industry uh, interviews and much much more sign up is easy visit the cellphonejunkie.com click the link on the right side for tcpj unlocked a big thank you to everyone that subscribes Google on Wednesday announcing changes to the Android market, including the addition of its web store. The component will allow users to browse and purchase applications for their phone directly from the desktop. The apps then get pushed out to the device. Users can also use the web store to manage their Android market account online. Android also announced that local market currency support is coming to the market, allowing developers to price their apps in various currencies regardless of the exchange rate. Finally, Google announced in-app purchases in the Android market. Uh, More on each of these additions will be shown off at Mobile World Congress next week. A couple of updates from Google. First off, they announced the Google Maps for mobile version 5.1 on Android. The update adds the ability to check into locations and allows for automatic check-ins at predefined locations. It also allows you to check out when you leave. The software update will be free and available to Android devices running Android 1.6 and above. And Wednesday, they had an Android Honeycomb press event. Google's Andrew Kovacs said Android 3.0 was developed solely for tablets, also mentioning that features will arrive on phones over time, though he didn't mention which one. Google clarified the announcement later in the week, saying that the version of Honeycomb we've shown is optimized for tablet form factors, and all of the UI changes are the future of Android. So we'll see what happens with that one. Microsoft posted a web page with update details for its first update to the Windows Phone 7 OS this week. The features include cut, copy, and paste, faster app startups, improved marketplace search, and says that the updates will be coming within the next few months. Rupert Murdoch's News Corp announced on Wednesday a new iPad-only newspaper called The Daily. The Daily will be an interactive 360-degree photo and video content uh, magazine filled with a filled news source, excuse me, with articles that can be read aloud from within the app. There will also be web-friendly versions of the articles to share on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, also the publication will include crossword puzzles, Sudoku puzzles, and customizable content such as weather forecast and sources from your favorite sports teams. The daily app will be available in the App Store, subscriptions costing $0.99 cents per week or $40 for the year. The first two weeks of the daily will be free thanks to sponsorship with Verizon. Now, Joey, I don't know how you feel about this. I'm, I'm I'm not a big uh, you know newspaper guy. I don't subscribe to the newspaper. Uh, I, you know I usually read my my news online, and so um, the, this idea is a little bit foreign to me. And in fact, it's foreign to everybody. But I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, I think it actually does have some uh, merit here and some uh, potential traction. The, the reason is is that we, we've kind of we, we've bounced away from the subscription newspaper based, and, and we've bo- we've gone to the the Google readers, and we've gone to you know viewing things on the website. And finally, now uh, media sources traditionally have they're 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 finally starting to find their niche back into subscription-based and how to get viewers back into it. And I think this is one outlet that will will have potential 
for selling because it, it people have started to now get tired of not having localized news and 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 stuff that's in a nice concentrated easy to use uh easy to read um uh, you know package so i having the subscription based model will be pretty good and i think that it uh, it will be successful especially in the future you know even things like the the barnes and noble nook for example you can subscribe to the newspaper on there and get um you know for example here in minneapolis star tribune you can read that on your nook and it's 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 kind of neat you've got um uh, definitely some uh nice to have these color pages all you know nice pictures all integrated with the news stories and when you view content on the web it's just not quite like that it, it, that's very true it is and i guess uh maybe i'll give it a chance i don't have an ipad so i guess i i can't do a test with it but uh you know for those that have been testing it out i guess it, it's it's okay uh it's still a little bit buggy um you know i've heard a l- some earlier reports of uh, some crashing and, and things that aren't uh exactly uh how they should be but overall um you know it, it's <laughs> this was rumored for quite a while too i follow mac news pretty closely and i've been reading about this for months and months and months so it is finally out uh, you can test it out if you like head over to the app store to uh, download the daily from news Corp. Rim on Wednesday announced an update of BlackBerry App World, bringing to it version, bringing it to version 2.1. The update brings an introduction of in-app payments, allowing developers to sell services within apps to users. A related SDK has been released to developers, allowing them to build the new in-app purchase functionality directly into their apps. And Thursday, unveiled by RIM, BlackBerry Radio, a super app that collates both internet radio and terrestrial radio services. It can also be used for discovery of new music and lets users listen to music from multiple sources, including the Amazon MP3 store. With BlackBerry Radio, you'll be able to sample all of the various preset stations, even if you aren't subscribed to the partner services. For now, the app is only available to beta testers here in the U.S. Motorola said Thursday that it would not be offering the Android 2.1 update as initially stated for the Click XT. In a note on the company's forums, they stated, After comprehensive testing of Android 2.1 and the update for the Click XT, we have concluded that this device will remain on Android 1.5. We realize many of you were anxiously awaiting this upgrade, but we aim to deliver software upgrades only when they will provide a better consumer experience. One question this week. It comes to us from Dino. He says, Mickey, since LTE is SIM-based and LTE will be a global standard, do we think that we can unlock it, get a local LTE SIM and broadband package and use VoIP abroad or even a a true phone LTE package or similar or whatever they would come out with? LTE latency is allegedly great and apps with real local phone numbers do exist. Could we turn Verizon into a one-stop shop global competitor with this ability? Thanks for your time and all of your insight, Dino. All right, well, Dino, a couple of thoughts on this one. Uh, first off, yes, LTE will be a global technology, will be SIM-based, uh, but that does not necessarily mean that uh, it's going to be nearly as uh, as global as we hope it is. You know, Verizon released their LTE network, and that is on the 700 megahertz range. Uh, you've got uh, some networks that are going to be implemented where 700 megahertz is not available. Uh, look for potentially T-Mobile to either launch it on when they do eventually on the 1700 or 1900 megahertz range like they have their current networks right now. Uh, if Sprint were to launch it, they're going to likely do it on uh, the 1900 megahertz range. Uh, and AT&T, uh, they've got 700 megahertz spectrum, so they could potentially allow for uh, a similar network uh, you know, hardware to be used, though it's going to be on different spectrum, but potentially could work. Now, internationally, this is where things really get tricky. The bands that are currently being allocated right now are not 700 megahertz. It's it's this 900, uh, you know, 1800, 2100 megahertz band, depending on what country you're in, depending on where in the world that you're in. And so there's a potential that we could have up to have, you know, like seven different bands for a device to run on LTE. So until the hardware gets to the point where it's, you know, we'll just say universal and can be used over any of these different bands, it's it's not going to be nearly as globetrotting as I think we all hope it's going to be. But it's a it's a good thing to start out with to say, okay, we're going to have an LTE you know protocol. This is going to be used by everyone. Now, if they can just sync up you know some of the frequencies, which doesn't look like it's going to happen at least for the next couple of years, that's when it will really be nice. Yeah, and carriers just don't want to have this uh, unlocked capability where you can jump around. I mean, they want you locked into the contract on them, and they want you to be locked in on the hardware. So you have to buy new hardware from them, and that you know the open model of the the unlocked day is just you know, especially here in the U.S., just seems to be going uh, further and further away. Yeah, it's um, 
it's coming it, eventually, right? I mean, it's it's not uh, it's not that far off, but at the same time, don't look to when you know, like the Thunderbolt comes out, that you're going to be able to buy that and take that and use it uh, overseas on an LTE network that someone may have deployed. That that's very very unlikely at this point. Um, we're going to probably you know see a few years of iterations with these dual band you know LTE CDMA phones on Verizon. Eventually, we'll get out the AT&T models that uh, will be the dual-band LTE and HSPA, which will be closer, I think, because you've got the fallback on the GSM, you know, 3G protocols that are being used by most of the world. But it's, yeah, maybe, um, you know, I I guess I when I read your comment, I I was thinking more, you know, in the the near term. But if you're thinking far term, yeah, I mean, we'll get there at some point, I hope. I, I really hope that'd be great to buy one phone and use it with any carrier anywhere in the world. But, you know, again, go back to uh, a half hour ago when we were talking about, you know, carriers becoming unprofitable uh, and having to sign a contract and getting a subsidy on a phone. And if you're getting an unlocked phone, are you paying full price for it? Are you willing to pay five to $600 for a device? Uh, and uh, then also continue to pay that same amount for your plan just to get an unlocked device. So a lot of different factors come into play here Uh Mobile's got a got a lot of stuff happening, uh, you know. And uh, anyway, we'll see what happens. Finally, today, how'd you like to wake up to a cell phone tower in your yard? That's what happened to a family on Long Island this week. The family says workers have been putting up a giant pole in their yard for an entire week and told them that it was an extra light the town was putting in. But when it was done, it wasn't a light. It was a cell phone tower put up by Next G Networks. Local officials are calling it construction by ambush. The family talked to NBC New York, and they were told uh, by the company that the FCC had given them rights to put it up, that it was a public necessity. A local superintendent of highways has a different opinion. They've sent the company a letter demanding answers for permits, plans, and a bond. Not exactly the reception the company was hoping to get for the project. Ooh, reception. I wouldn't like to wake up with a cell phone tower in my yard just uh, arbitrarily. That's not quite acceptable. So this will probably have to come down since they didn't secure the proper permits. But yeah. but sometimes when these things do happen, uh, you really don't have a lot of say if they're in the, the, you know, the right of way of the city, if these things do magically appear. Well, if you have any questions or comments for us, give us a call, 206-203-3734, or you can write to us at questions at com, or send us a text, 775-773-TCPJ, that's 8275, or follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash junkie or me, I'm at TCPJ underscore Mickey, or Joey at TCPJ underscore Joey. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.